0: Enjoy the message. Hello, welcome. My name is Nestor Flores and I am so glad you're joining us. And I want to thank you for making time to be with us. We are in a series of message where we're talking about marriage, specifically how to renew our marriage. And we're doing this because, see, every marriage begins with big dreams and great expectations. But what happens is that the struggles, the difficulties, the problems, the simple demands of life, they begin to dim that glow that couples had when they first began. And that's the importance of renewal. Because when renewal happens, it revitalizes the passion. It revitalizes the attraction, the romance, the love. And couples... Can become united and happy, and couples can stay united and happy. Which, by the way, it's God's intention for marriage. But before we continue any further, what do you say we start with a little bit of humor, and then we'll jump right into today's message? The joke says that a man uh, went to go visit his dear mother at the funeral, and uh, when he was at her tomb, he laid the flowers, and he's there just giving her her respects. And when he was getting ready to go back to his car his attraction his attention was attracted by another man in another tomb who was just crying and wailing and he just couldn't take his attention and this man was praying and crying with such passion saying why did you have to die why did you have to die the man couldn't help himself and he went over to the man uh, because he just had to know who it was that passed away that caused so much uh, passion and, a tr- and, and pain in this one other man. As he approaches the man he says, forgive me for interrupting but I'm just overwhelmed by your passion and your pain for this loved one that you lost that I just had to know who was it. Was it a father? Was it a, was it a son? Was it a daughter? Who was it? The man that was crying composes himself and after composing himself, he replies to that first man and he says, it was my wife's first husband. <laughs> let's pray. Some of you will get that joke in a couple of seconds. Uh, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, our marriages, our relationships, they need you. So please renew us. May your word transform us. May your word bring life to the dead areas. May your word bring clarity to the areas where we need, where we have confusion or, or we're not sure what to do, Lord. Father, we need you. We are asking you to renew us. We pray this in the wonderful name of your Son Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Look at what Genesis two twenty two through twenty four says. It'll appear on your screen. It says, "Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last." The man exclaimed. So Adam shouted, finally, right? He says, at last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Do you know why um, Eve was called a woman? Because when Adam first saw her, he went, wow, man. He, He was so impressed by her that he said, wow, man. So that's why she's called the woman. He says, she will be called the woman because she was taken from man. Verse 24 says the following. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into what? One. In this passage, in the second chapter of Genesis, we see the first wedding. We see the first wedding take place when God gives Eve to Adam. And we have to remember that it was God who established marriage. Marriage is God's idea, it's not society's. It's not uh, the United States of America's idea. No, it is God's idea. And in this passage, not only do we see the first marriage, but we see the purpose of marriage. And that is that that two individuals were to become one. You know, the joke says that all couples are trying to become one but that the battle is in deciding which one they become. And see, in this passage, we we see the first marriage and we see a union, a unity, a, a, a fusing of two individuals that takes place. But we also see that God says something very key. He says that this marriage is sacred and that it shouldn't be broken. So the question now becomes... If marriage is sacred, if marriage is God's idea, then why is it that we experience so, many, so much marital breakdown? Why is it that so many marriages end up in divorce in our days? Well, one definite answer is the enemy. The enemy of our souls, the devil. He's been very successful at breaking and destroying many marriages. Unfortunately, he's had much success in many relationships. And he's one reason that so many sacred marriages have experienced divorce and breakdown. And see, my hope is, my hope and prayer are that through this series, we would learn, and I'm with you, I'm married, and I, I have to learn this from the word of God, that, that we would learn how to constantly renew our marriage so that we can strengthen the unity in our marriage, Because when we do, when the unity is strong, we're going to have a happy, satisfying marriage that will be for life. So let me ask you this. Do you want that? Do you want that? If you want that, I want to challenge you to say that. Especially if your spouse is next to you. To say, I want a happy, satisfying marriage that lasts for a lifetime. If you do, we need to understand that there's three areas That produce tension and stress in marriage. They produce it in all relationships, but especially in marriage. We've mentioned these in the past weeks, but, you know, we're going to keep repeating them because repetition is key. The first area of tension in every relationship, but especially marriage, is unaccepted differences. Let me ask you a question. How long into your marriage did it take you to realize that the person you married was nothing like you? That we're very different from you. I think that happens in all marriages where we realize, you know, when we're dating, we 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 tend to emphasize and focus on all the things we have in common. But when we get married, we realize, hey, these individuals are very different than me. And see, there's inconsequential differences as well as consequential differences. Inconsequential differences are differences like well you prefer one brand over another or you prefer one brand of shoe over another and they're inconsequential because they really don't make a huge impact in your marriage. But there's consequential differences and these differences do have great consequences. Differences like uh, difference in goals, difference in values, difference in interests, difference in lifestyles. And see every marriage has consequential differences. And the good news is that they can be solved. They can be solved in the coming weeks. I'm going to share each week one way that that, 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 that you can solve these uh, differences. Let me share one with you today. If you want to ease the tension of differences in your marriage, the first thing you got to do is embrace differences. Embrace differences. See, Having differences in marriage is normal. Let me tell you that the fact that you and your spouse are different is not, it's not because something is wrong. It's normal. And here's why it's normal. Because we are very different individuals. And it's a good thing that we are different individuals. So if you want to ease the tension of differences, the first thing you need to do is understand that being different is not bad. We have to change our paradigm concerning differences. See, the moment we change our mind from seeing our differences, not as something bad, but as something positive, our marriage takes a whole different route. Do you know the difference between unity and uniformity? Now, a lot of people use these words interchangeably, and they appear to be the same, but they're very different. And the biggest difference between these two words is that unity accepts differences, while uniformity doesn't. See, unity refers to the union or harmony between different elements, between different individuals, let me give you an example and then I'll show you a picture. Uh, uh, an example of unity is a choir. A choir is made up of different voices but they sing in harmony. They sing in unity. Now let me show you a picture. Look at this picture. In this picture, you have different rocks. They don't look the same but they're in harmony. They're in unity. And that's what unity is. Now uniformity While maybe similar to unity, it is not the same. Because uniformity points to a state of sameness. In other words, uniformity focuses on having the same shape, the same type, the same amount. Let me give you an example and I'll also show you a picture. The example for uniformity is, have you ever seen those neighborhoods where all the houses have the same layout? They may have like a different shade of color, but basically they have the garage in the same place and they have the same type of windows. That's uniformity. Now, let me show you a picture of what uniformity looks like. In this picture, you see different individuals and they are different, but the goal is not embracing the differences. The goal is looking the same. And here's what you need to understand. The Bible says that in marriage, we are one. That two individuals become one. But it also says that that one unit is composed of one man and one woman. Who happen to be very different from each other. So to live in unity, to minimize the stress of differences, we have to learn to embrace differences. So the first tension is differences. The second area of tension is unresolved offenses. And you know what? It's only a matter of time before your spouse offends you. I remember when my sister first got married a couple of months in, I said, so, so hey, have you guys had your first big fight? You know, and it's only a matter of time before we offend each other. And the reason we, that, I, I'm not excusing that, but the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because we're not perfect people. We make mistakes and we're going to hurt each other. In fact, Jesus said, Jesus said that it was impossible that offenses would not come. Look at what Luke 17:1 says. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. I want you to notice. First of all, it's Jesus speaking. And second, that he says it's impossible that no offenses should come. And see, the saddest thing about this is that the worst offenders in your life are those closest to you your spouse, your kids, your family, and so on. So see, when we retain offenses, because they are going to happen, and while we may reduce them, we can't completely prevent them, but when we, when they happen and we retain them, they create extra tension in our marriage. And there's also a solution for this tension. To forgive. We'll tell you more about that in the coming weeks. But let's look at the third area of tension The third area is unmet needs. And see, every person has needs that they need to be met. Now, listen to me. You got to lean in on this. This is important. This is where our series is focused. Every person, if you're married, or if one day you're going to get married, or you want to get married, one of the reasons you're going to get married or want to get married is because you have needs that need to be met. And I can prove that to you because if we could meet our own needs, we wouldn't get married. But the fact that we can't meet them leads us to saying, I want to get married. And see, when these needs are not met, they create a lot of tension in our life. Last week, we talked about how every individual, about how every person has an emotional love bank. And when good deeds, when acts of love, when, when good things are done, withdrawals are made into that love bank. And when enough uh, deposits, I mean, when enough deposits are made, our emotional love tank is full and we feel love. We are in love. But if only withdrawals are made, then our emotional bank f- feels empty. And that's when love begins to wane begins to die begins to disappear and see if your emotional love bank is on empty if your emotional love bank is overdrawn then to fill it again you have to take the advice that is given to us in the word of God in the book of revelations chapter 2 verses 4 and 5 and look at what it says but I have this complaint against you You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. To understand this verse more, I want to invite you to go back and listen to the message from last week. And God continues to say in that passage, If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So the third area of tension is unmet needs. And in this series, we're looking, we're going to look at the 10 main needs in marriage. Five that most women would generally say, these are my five top five needs. And then we're also looking at five that men generally consider the most important. We've already looked at the number one for each uh, uh, spouse we've we've looked at the fact that for women the number one need is affection and that for men their number one need is sexual intimacy. Today we're gonna look at the second need of most women. So I'm going to mainly refer to men, to husbands, but it doesn't mean that wives can tune out because you know what? although, Generally speaking, these needs are predominantly in one uh, gender. There are some men who would say, hey, this need of conversation is also a high need of mine. So don't tune out because uh, uh, whether it's a big need or not in your husband, the truth is that it's a need. So we've, we've said that to renew your marriage, we can renew our marriage by meeting the need, number one in women, of affection in the life of your wife. But today, we're going to talk about how to renew your marriage by meeting the need of conversation in the life of your wife. Look at what Philippians 2.2 says. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. You know, a study was made of children between the ages and four to seven, if I remember correctly. And, and in the study, they discovered that 100% of the noises that the little girls made had to do with conversations. But that the boys, the little boys, only 60% of the, of the noises they made had to do with the with with conversation. The rest were just noises. And you're probably wondering, well, pastor, what what does that have anything to do? Well, that tells us that females, they value, they need talking more than we men do. You know, recently, uh, well, not recently, but my wife and I, we both uh, own some AirPods. Uh, I have my own pair and she's got her own pair. And uh, I was thinking about this, just how interesting um, we are and how much of a need it is for for women to talk that I tend to use my AirPods to listen to music, to listen to an audiobook. I hardly ever have them on to talk to people. While my wife on the other end, That's the number one thing she uses them for. She listens to music, but not more than she uses them to talk to somebody. In fact, since I got her her pair of AirPods, she talks more to people. And not because she has nothing to do, but because conversing, talking in women is a need. So what I want to do is I want to share with you, I want to share with us men why we need to talk to our wife, why conversation is essential in a relationship and why it's a need that we need to meet in our spouse. You ready for this? Number one, conversation is essential, number one, to meet the 10 needs in marriage. If you are going to want to meet the, te- the needs of your spouse, the reason why you got married, the, what keeps your marriage united and strong and happy and for a lifetime, you are going to need to learn to talk. Look at what Philippians 2.4 says. Don't look out only for your own interests. And I think this applies to man more than it does to women in this context. But take an interest in others too. See, in this series, we're, we're, we're talking about those needs, right? And for example, we've mentioned that a woman's number one need is for affection. And, and the, one of the strongest ways, one of the best ways to show your wife affection is by talking to her, by conversing with her. We saw last week that the number one need of most men is physical intimacy, And it's proven that when couples talk about sex, when couples converse about sex, that they have a better sex life. And just as talking improves the first two needs, it's also going to help you with the remaining eight needs of every marriage. So talking is essential to meet the needs of your spouse. But second, could Conversing is essential uh, because it brings solutions that solve problems. It's important to talk. It's important to converse with your wife because it's going to help you to bring solutions to the problems. See, bad or no communication causes all kinds of problems. If you are not communicating, if you are not talking, or if your communication is poor or horrible, you have all kinds of problems. And you think you have all kinds of problems because you don't know how to communicate. And when you don't know how to communicate, it causes more problems and it's a vicious cycle. See, when we don't communicate, here's why it causes problems. Because when we don't communicate, we then interpret. We then give our own meaning. We then give our own intention to the actions of other people. And we say stuff like, you know, you did that because all you want to do is get on my nerves. And perhaps he had a headache. Perhaps he had a stomachache. Perhaps he had a bad day. But because you don't communicate, you interpret it with your own intentions and your own meaning. People often say, or, or couples often say, you know, you don't come with me anymore because you're embarrassed of me. And maybe they're just tired. Maybe they're not interested in the place you're going. Maybe it has nothing to do with you. But because you don't communicate, then it leads to other problems. And that's the importance of communicating. See, good communication can solve and prevent all kinds of problems. Look at what Proverbs 13, 17 says. It says, whoever delivers your message can make things better or or worse for you. In other words, depending on the messenger, depending on the ability of communication, things can get better or things can get worse. See, marriage, marriage is an association. And in order to have a strong marriage, you're going to have to agree. You're going to have to talk about those areas where you guys are different. In order to have a strong marriage, you're going to have to be able to talk about how do we manage money? How do we raise our kids? What kind of friends are we going to allow into our relationships? Uh, What are the goals that we're going to have? And if you do not talk, then those differences cannot be agreed upon. And that's why marriage is dissolved. That's why marriages don't last. But third, conversation is essential to promote closeness and union. You know, talking to your spouse is essential for her as well as for you. Because it promotes and nurtures unity. It promotes closeness. Philippians 2.2 says the following, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together, look at this, with one mind and one purpose. God, God's desire, God's intent is that we as married individuals would live together in unity. He wants us to love each other and to do life in such a way that it would appear that we have one mind and one spirit. And the only way this is going to happen is if we talk, if there's regular conversations between me and my wife. See, conversing, talking with your spouse, it's like the ligaments in your physical body. See, these ligaments, they join your bones together so that the body, this physical body that I have, can stand and move, can stand and have action. Without the ligaments that connect the bones in my body, my body would become a pile of useless meat. I would be unable to move. And many couples are falling apart because they're not talking. Because the husband is not meeting the need of conversing with his wife. Now I've heard husbands say, Well, if she needs to talk so much, why doesn't she find another woman and they talk their ears out? Well, she can. And she should. Every woman should have other women that she can talk to. But listen to me, guys. Even if she does find somebody who she could talk to for hours, she still wants to talk to you. Because she wants to connect with you. She wants to feel united with you. She wants in in the heart of the man that she loves. So even if she does find a talking buddy, she still needs you. Because remember, she married you. She fell in love with you. And even then, some men would push and say, well, if she needs a man, can why doesn't she find a, a good friend of the opposite sex? And you know what some people have asked is it good for a woman to have a good friend of the opposite sex? Well, it's definitely not a sin, but it's dangerous it's dangerous. And I think that we as men would not want to risk this danger in our life. And here's why it's dangerous, because you have to remember women are auditory. They, they, they fall in love through their ears. And if this other individual is paying attention to her, and if this other individual is connecting with her through conversations, the danger is that she could fall in love with him. In fact, That's how many infidelities have taken place. So, bottom line, for couples to get close to each other, to feel united, they need to talk because talking is the ligament that joins them together. Last but not least, fourth, conversation is essential to build up her heart. Conversation, talking, builds up a person. Did you know that? Look at what Ephesians 4.29 tells us. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and what? Helpful so that your words would be an encouragement to those who hear them. And this applies to our kids. This applies to those of us that are leaders as we lead others but especially to our spouse. See, most women feel that their husbands don't really talk to them. And most men would say, what are you talking about, women? We, we do talk. But see, what we men refer to as talking is shallow, superficial conversations as to what are the kids going to do today? Uh, you know, uh, what's the weather going to be outside? That, 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 that's not what women need. They need to connect to our heart. They need to connect to our spirit, to our soul. And one of the things that we need to understand is that men and women talk for different reasons. See, we men, we talk because we want to come up with solutions. We talk because there's something that we want to achieve. Women, they talk because the simple act of talking counts to them. Women, they feel appreciated and loved when they're able to talk to their husband and their husband talks back to them. See, for women, conversation is the point. The very act of talking to her husband is meaningful to her. It builds her up. It encourages her heart. So the husband that finds time to talk to his wife builds her up. If you want a better wife, one of the ways you can build up a better wife, a better person in her, is by meeting her need of conversing with her. So here's what I want to do before we end. Would you you rate yourself, whether you're the wife or the husband, would you rate yourself in regards to this need? On a scale of one to 10, how big of a need is this for you? And I want to ask you as I did last week, that you would take time to share it with your spouse. Now, let me end with this. A bad marriage, a marriage that is dysfunctional and that doesn't work, is a marriage that's composed of two masters in love. A marriage that is ideal, that is enjoyable, that is awesome, and that last, is a marriage that is composed of two servants in love. Now notice the difference. Two masters in love lead to a broken marriage. Two servants in love lead to a good marriage. I love uh, uh, an illustration that Pastor Jimmy Evans um, often tells in his messages. And Pastor Jimmy Evans talks about the difference between a heavenly marriage and a hellish marriage. And here's how he illustrates the difference. He says that in a heavenly marriage, you have to picture a banquet table with the best foods and and an abundance of food and, and God is there and the angels are there to usher you. And in this big banquet, there's people. But the people, instead of arms, they have utensils as arms. But these utensils are too big to scoop up the food and feed yourself. And he says that in a hellish marriage, it's very similar to a heavenly marriage, except that God is not there. But the abundance of food, the banquet, the table is there. The utensils are there. And what makes a heavenly marriage heavenly is that the individuals use the utensils not to try to meet their needs, which are impossible to meet, but to serve others, to meet the needs of others. In a hellish marriage, the individuals are selfish. They refuse to serve one another and they rather see each other starve than to serve and meet each other's needs. The food is there. The banquet is there. But they don't have a servant's heart. So because of that, they starve and they starve others. And I want to tell you that you have what it takes to meet your spouse's need. The banquet table is set before you. Serve each other. Meet each other's needs. Husbands, I know that as we talk about uh, talking with our wives, we say, but we're just not made that way. Well, you know, we Christians have an advantage. We have a great help. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit helps us to communicate with the Father. That in fact, he takes what is in our heart and in our mind that we can not conjure up in words and he communicates it to the Father. And if the Holy Spirit can help us communicate with God, you don't think he can help us communicate with our spouse? So let's be spirit-led. Let's be spirit-dependent. Those moments when we rather watch TV or go lock ourselves in the garage over talking to our wives, let's lean our head. Let's lift our sight to God and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to meet my wife's need and to do it not begrudgingly, but to do it delightfully. that I may also enjoy it. So I encourage you, if you want a heavenly marriage, use what you have to meet each other's need. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer?